Hi, my name is Mike Grant from Musical Youth and you're watching World Music Views. Hi, my name is Dennis Seaton from Musical Youth and you're watching World Music Views. How are you doing? Congratulations. I'm very well. Congrats. It's cold here, you know. I bet it's hot in Jamaica, though, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's not England cold, but it's not too hot. It was hot in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really hot in the summer. But now it's, yeah. it's cooling down. It's a little Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> We're minus three at the moment, if you want to know. I yeah. feel minus colder in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> How long have you been in the music industry? I've been in the industry since I was 14, so that's 42 years. And, uh, yeah. And how, were you in church before? No, no, no. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Well, when I was young, I used to go to Sunday school. And then when I took the day before my 18th birthday, I, I, I gave my life to Christ. That was when I was in the band. So... So while you're in the band singing past the Dutch upon the left hand side, yeah, yeah, the Lord gave you the Holy Grail. Um, you could say that. So what was that like, um, as an artist and a Christian artist? Well, to reconcile it, we weren't singing about anything bad. We were singing about a cooking pot, so. You can, you know, we're innocent kids and there's been some confusion about Pastor Dutchy, which was caused by a newspaper here, a racist newspaper, um, who tried to make out that the song was about drugs. But then the Americans took it another way. And because we were singing about cooking pot, they thought we were talking about cooking pot. <laughs> I so, cocaine. No, no. Weed. <laughs> oh, cooking pot. Oh, I get it. Pot. <laughs> you see, you get yeah. it now. You're going. <laughs> when I heard it, I was laughing because I was like, when we toured America in August, I had to explain to people, look, you got a bunch of kids. We're all teenage. Well, four out of five of us are teenagers. If we were singing about drugs, the song would have been banned. <laughs> so, yeah. That that's misconception. Who, who produced the song? I saw Don Letts did the music video, right? But who produced? Yeah, Don Letts did the video. The, the song was produced by a guy named Peter Collins, who, who went on to produce. He, he's he's big. He was mainly a rock producer, so he he produced uh, Yes, who are Canadian, and Nick Kershaw. He did quite a few actually. Yeah, but yeah, he produced it. And Pastor Dutch is really a singover of Pastor Kochi. That's right. So that's Which where it's about drugs. Right. So that's why we have to change the lyric. So okay. We have to change it from Kochi to Dutchy. So you, you were aware of the Mighty Diamonds before? Yeah, because it was the Mighty Diamonds song was Pastor Kochi was the number one song in 1981 in the reggae charts in the UK. So we used to perform it as past the Kutchy. But then the record company, you know, recognized that this song is blowing up the place. And is there any way we can change the lyric? And that's what we did. So you changed the lyric while the song was already out? No, no. 
the song was on its way down in the reggae charts. It didn't touch the charts, the, the, the UK popular charts at all. So, yeah, when we changed the song, when we changed the lyric, we knew we had to change the lyric. Okay, okay, okay. So, when who did you sign the record deal? Based on what did you get the record deal? Um, the record deal was signed because, firstly, the the band before I joined the band as the lead singer, Fred Waite Jr. Senior was the lead singer, and the band had done um, there's a radio DJ called John Peel, and they'd recorded a song called um, Political in General, and John Peel played played it. All the A&R guys used to listen to John Peel's show for who he chose. And that's how they got interested. But the record deal wasn't signed until the interest was shown. But because Fred was in his 30s, as I said, the record company asked if they could find somebody more of the guy, rest of the band's age, which was me. That's how it went. Okay. Um, so how did the, what was the band form? Like it was a record company putting it together or you guys knew no. each other? No, this was totally organic. So, um, Michael and Calvin, their dad knew Fred Waite Sr. He had Patrick and Junior. So they were learning drums and bass. Michael was keyboards. Calvin was guitar. And I was best friends with Junior and Patrick. And... That's how the band was formed initially. Wow. So it was all organic. It wasn't put together by any record company. There was no money thrown at it. It was yeah. all hard work. And and Wade's father was a part of the techniques. Yes, Fred, Fred, Fred Wade Sr. was a part of the techniques. That's that's where he got his ground in. Um I see where you got influence from sugar minot and i just interviewed sugar minot's wife just before you okay and she told me to ask you about sugar minot and um <laughs> one more person i don't remember the name um, tony owens no another name jackie me too me too yeah <laughs> what was the relationship with with me too and sugar minot so the first time i ever entered the studio i mean bear this in mind you know that I went to the very first musical youth rehearsal, the very first one, but I was banned from the second one <laughs> and the rest until I joined the band. And and then the first time I went into the studio in London, we actually went to do backing vocals for Sugar Minot, who was just riding high in the charts in the UK with Good Thing Going. And um, Jackie worked with Sugar, Sugar as well. So Sugar... Sugar took us under his wing. So when we visited and played in Jamaica, Sugar was always there with us, you know, helping us out. Um, and the relationship just developed from that, really. When he stayed here in the UK, we used to spend time with him in the studio when we when we could go to the studio. And then Jackie, Jackie, Jackie helped UB40 with their first Labour of Love album. But then... He also helped out us with, you know, with some musical arrangements as well. We didn't realize that Jackie was one of the original writers of the the, the rhythm full up, which led to the past the Dutchy rhythm, him and Leroy Sibbles. We didn't realize that. I didn't know that. But I, I, 
subsequently got to find out. And Jackie and myself shared the, shared the same birthday. And Jackie actually toured Ghana with us one Christmas, Christmas 1985. He toured Ghana with us. So, so Leroy Sibles is credited on past the Duchy. Yeah, yeah. As as producer writer. No, no, he was one of the original writers. Because if you remember Jamaican publishing back in the 50, sorry, well, 60s, 70s, it was all over the place, wasn't it? So still you is. see the writers now. Yeah, of course. And it's it's wrong, you know, because there's people who've gone in, made their money and stepped out. And we suffered the same kind of fate, so to speak. Do you have problems getting your publishing from this song or any songs? Well, this song, again, we had to change the lyric. It, it's known out there. But for some reason, our lawyer and our manager decided they weren't going to do anything about it. So um, we had to get a musicologist in to check. And the musicologist went in. But then when we approached the lawyer and... Um, we got it to court. The judge said no. <laughs> um, so we had to just step back and just take it on the chin, so to speak. It's not nice. But then I suppose that's the music business, isn't it? So who gets the publishing for this song? There's about 11. There's 11 different publishers on that song. Who? Who are they? Oh, gosh. So the, the Mighty Diamonds, um, Mr. Ferguson and um, Simpson, they get theirs. As far as I know, I don't know who they are. Um, then Leroy Sibbles, Jackie Mitu's estate. I don't know. I'm only stating what I know. I don't know if their estate is getting it, if you understand. I can't guarantee that. All I know is that we brought a case. We had to issue some affid affidavits and writs. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and just you, left you, to this day, you never collected a publishing check from not from Dutchie. So how do you monetize the, the popularity, it being a top Spotify reggae song? How do you monetize Sales it? Sales and performance. But then again... But then again, what was the first thing you said? Sales and performance. Performance royalties. Yeah. So that's basically... So no publishing. No. Not at all. So, so whenever the song sells, um, or it's in your best interest for the song to sell, always. Um, if you remember, I don't. You might. How old are you? I don't know how old you are. You're I'm, a baby today. I'm 39. There you go. So the song's older than you. <laughs> yeah. But in this in year, 40 years since it's been out, right? No, this year will be 42 years. 42 years. It's 41 years this year. 42 years next year. Last year was the 40th anniversary. Okay. Um, I suspect... Yeah, let me think now. So, it was physical records that were sold back then. Mm -hmm. So, artists used to get paid on the physical sale. Now you get paid on streaming and you just heard Spotify come out and say, they're not paying out any money unless you get a thousand streams. You know, so, which I think, again, is wrong. <laughs> so will that affect you and Pastor Dutchie in what way? It won't affect us because we're artists from the 80s. So the artists in the 80s 
got a slightly better deal. We had more, I suppose, I could say we had more control in terms of the physical sales. We didn't have more control about how many physical sales were made because record companies weren't completely honest with how many <laughs> physical sales, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and that's known practice. If, if somebody wants to argue with me, they can. But, you know. <laughs> Which label was it? Was Pastor Dutch we, really on? We were signed with MCA. MCA, okay. Music Corporation of America. It's now Universal. Yeah, and you know Universal of Walter Island and Polydor and Polygram and yeah. So, so you know, I saw where where um one of the Mighty Diamonds member Max Romeo, right? Yeah, yeah. I just saw it. He filed a suit for fifteen million US. Yeah, I was reading that off your seven years of royalties. Yeah, but it, you know what, Junior? They'll invoke the statute of limitations and only take it back to six. You know, and. It's it's something I know to my great regret, not regret, because if you don't, you've got to try and have failed to find out what what's actually gone on. And um, 40 odd years in the business, it's still the same. The record companies will. Will, how can I say, treat artists and specifically the black and reggae artists get a raw deal. We get the rawest deals. I mean, Musical Youth was only on 10% of whatever the record company made. Whatever Universal made, we were on 10%. And we still get knocked back for that, you know. So I suppose we never we were lucky in so much as we didn't end up owing the record company any money. How much money have you made from the song? <laughs> I don't know. As a group? My honest, my honest answer is I could not tell you. Uh, how much money the, the, the song generated? A hundred million? How well, much? In terms of sales, on. I have well, some numbers, but but in terms of what you it has generated, physical sales, or it's it's over a hundred million. It was five million sales on the single alone. Yeah, and then you got to go through all the films that they put it in. There's two films that I know Dutchie was in. It was in The Wedding Singer and it was in Scooby-Doo 2. I couldn't tell you. I'd have to go and have a look. But you never made no money from those? Yeah, yeah, we made money. You I'm did. not going to say we never made any money. We never made as much money as we should. And at the time, I was being taxed, even at 16, at 40% of whatever I made. So every pound I made, I only made 60p. But I did make a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money in relative terms. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah, and I'm still getting paid now, forty years later. So from that one song, you have could, you done yeah. any albums? So many albums. Yeah, we, did, we did two albums. We've actually done three albums now because when the the third album, when Reggae Was King, was our fourth album, but there was one before that that never really got released properly. So I'm just looking at re-recording that and putting that together, package together. Um, and it's a lot more straightforward now because obviously because of the digital world, you can see what's going on now. So nobody can yeah. nobody can say, no, that's not right. So when you guys came up with um, here's Michael. <laughs> Michael. You guys... Hello. Hi. Mike, you're right. Doing, Michael? I'm just turning my camera on. I'm actually <laughs> You're cool. 
<laughs> Michael, the, the band member that shows up late for the gig. It's freezing. It's like my family, you know, Junior. <laughs> Michael, are you the band are member that shows up late for the gig? Are you no. kidding me? I was there at three o'clock and then I'm no answer. So I'm like, you crazy. So then I'm up, get them something. You'd never have seen me. You were, you were. I apologize. I had another interview that I was wrapping up. Yes, it's all good. How are you? Yeah, so um, Dennis and I were talking about how much money yeah. the Pastor Dutchie made and, and how much publishing you didn't get because mm -hmm. of the writer's case in court. Um, right. From your perspective, just tell me, um, tell me about how that case was brought to court and, and how you feel about that. For me, it's... It as I've gotten older, as I've got older, it's not been as bad as when I was younger. So my perspective on life is that, you know what, Dennis and I have had it good because here we are today enjoying the success again. Um, the other members of the band have passed away, unfortunately, and done different things and had different, you know, followed different paths. So now I'm older, I can look at it with a more, you know, a better perspective at the time i was really angry i was really bitter um because i thought that you know why us why what did we do to deserve this but then you know as time goes and you start to see that there's lots of worse things that have happened to other band members you know and stuff like that so you're like you know what fine so yeah i'm just right. saying at the end of the day i'm just happy that you know dennis and i are still friends and still touring do you know what i'm saying because i'm having so much fun now and if you had given me this and said to me you know 40 years ago, you and Dennis will still be touring. I'd have taken it. I'd have definitely taken it. It's like, you know, hanging out with your best friend for the last 40 years has been the privilege, honestly. There's a conversation around touring versus focus on streaming, right? Yeah. Uh, my program, World Music Views, I started in 2018 because I saw Leo Cohen, who is the head of YouTube, say now will be the most lucrative time for the music industry because streaming is coming and it's yeah. going to revolutionize. So I, I decided to start a chart show that highlights streaming before it, mm -hmm. it became integrated in Jamaica or, or most places, right? A lot of people are upset because I have disrupted their idea of the music industry, which is to get a band make a record, go on tour. You don't really have to sell much. Just go on tour. No, I'm yep. putting it on TV that you have to sell, you have to stream, you have to have good numbers. What is your take on artists who just focus on not owning any rights, not owning nothing, just focus on touring alone? Well, if they're not owning any rights, they're doing themselves a disservice. I was just having this discussion with my kids today. Well, my kids are grown up, but... From the time I've started recording, Junior, I was told a true artist only makes their money when they're dead. Case in point, Elvis Presley, Bob Marley, and you understand? Because they're not there anymore. But what we have noticed, and we're lucky because we've come through a generation of serious record sales. So when we started, you had to play live. You recorded your album. You went out and promoted the album. Then a year later, you record another album. I mean, that's how hard they worked, yeah. Now they can do two, three years before they do a next album, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, but every artist and their dog now, if you look at it, they're out on the road touring. 
Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and they look at the numbers against physical streaming. Remember, artists, when they go on the road, it will increase their interest in that product, in that artist and their their music. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? You get the immediate money from the promoters. And if you've done that 360 deal, which we never did because we don't have to, the record companies are taking a piece of the piece of the tour tour budget, piece of the merchandise, piece of any piece of any anything that comes off that artist, they get they're breaking off a piece. But the piece is that big, there's enough if for everybody where before there wasn't. So it's it's changed. The streaming has changed everything. We had it really had, had to. to. It had to. And if you think about it. Try and carry around. It, it, it's easier to carry around a phone and your laptop than it is to carry around a bunch of CDs because we all had the CD. We've all got the CDs. We've all got the DVDs. But what are they? What are what are they doing? They're now sitting, gathering dust. <laughs> if, if the truth be known, they're gathering dust. You know, I don't even have music on my phone. I don't have to. Why? Because I've got my own. I've got my own um, server in my house. I can just dial up, get my music that I want off my server. Even, I mean, the, the benefits of YouTube. I was watching somebody the other day and he's saying that, what's the point of doing a music video, spending that time on a music video? Where's it going to play? Is it going to play on MTV? <laughs> Is it going to play on YouTube? He actually, and it made sense. He, he actually said, you're going to spend money to try and get that video played. Why bother? He said, just make, just video everything that you do, make three months of content and put it up online. Somebody will watch it, you know? Yep. Yep. Content, content is content is big. more sellable because yeah. you can tell a story. Now, music videos are still good, you know, because yeah, yeah. you can also monetize that. Yeah. But content is, is as you said, um, part of it. Why don't you drop a new album? Your last one was 2018. Yeah. Why don't you We're drop doing more music now. more often? With, well, I think it's because I'm more old school, you know. <laughs> I see all these artists just bang, 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 bang. And you lose. I have, you know, when Reggae Was King was a labour of love for me because it was when I was doing my university degree and then I did my master's. And I wanted something that I could carry on from. So that's where Reggae, when Reggae Was King was born out of. Now we're just about to start recording a new album. And I'm just thinking about how the, the the project will work in terms of how would I like to take it forward or how me and Mike want to take it forward. So you you asking that question, that is already in motion. That is already, and if you think about recording, it's so much easier to record now. You don't have to have a big ass studio anymore. <laughs> I can record yeah. on this very laptop that I'm talking to you on and it would come out better quality. You know, when we when, when I record when we yes. recorded when Reggae was king, I think the lead guitars for I Shot the Sheriff was done in my, on this very table that I'm talking to you from when I, when I recorded it. So, in terms of being able to record, it's always the same, but it's always been, and and this is an art. This is me as an artist who understands what needs to be done. It's always been about the song. It's always been about the song. If the song is any good, it will last and it will, people will pick it up. The only difference now is the big majors still have the budget to promote their artists. That will always be the same because they've got that money to promote that artist. 
Me, but what I say is, look, I don't need the majors to get my music out anymore. And when I'm doing live gigs, guess what? <laughs> I can promote that music. I don't have to put, play the old album. I can still play. We still play Dutchie. You know, we still play all the hits, all the songs that made us popular in the 80s and reached the ch top 14, the charts. And yeah, and we also understand how we helped push reggae music forward. And that's why I put that statement. I was about there. to say that. I was about <laughs> to say, I don't think, I was about to say, I don't think you realize that you have a fan base that <laughs> they're just there. Like, I know. Like the fact that they stream 200 million. Yeah. 200 million streams of your song that you released in. That's just on Spotify, right? Exactly. That's on Spotify alone. That's just on Spotify. Which means it's, it's way more elsewhere that people listen, right? When you put it all together. You have a fan base that they're just fans of your music. Yes. They and want to pass the Dutchy Towel. They want to pass the <laughs> Dutchy everything. Who owns the IP, by the way? Who owns Pastor Dutchy? Pastor Dutchy's own well. <laughs> we own it, I suppose, but we haven't we haven't I suppose we haven't well we don't mind. We haven't registered it, have we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but again, you but, know, but your whole brand, yeah, Michael, go ahead, answer the question. I, no, the, the 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 thing is, that, you know, I just really want to kind of echo what Dennis is saying. You know, I don't mean echo chamber, but I do want to say that you know, having been in the industry a long time and seeing the way it's gone, you know, talent is always talent, and the reason why people struggle today is because the the the, the computer's great. And what has happened is with the computer, we've got a lot of people that cannot play an instrument. You can now go to Berkeley and get a degree or a master's in music without playing an instrument. That mm -hmm. was unheard of, totally unheard of. But because people come up with these things called beats, and, you, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but there's a few producers out there that call themselves producers and cannot play. And so the problem you have now is that because those producers cannot play, then you're getting an almost real standardized music. And then you had Simon Cowell coming along and doing his old thing with the X Factor and making it so that it was only pop music that was heard. So if you think about it, when we were around, musical youth could be around with Bob Marley, could be around with U2, could be around with Oasis, could be around. I can name all these other bands, different genres of music. Oasis wasn't around when we were around, Mike. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I was just using them as an example. As I grew up <laughs> but, You're still yeah. around, though. You're still around. That's right. That's the key factor. All of these artists then, you know, wouldn't have stood a chance today because Simon Cowell is not going to put reggae on X Factor, nor is he oh. going to put jazz, nor is he going to put... And so, therefore, what you have is this sort of whitewashing of music, whereas, and so Dennis and I were born in the right era where we were able to express ourselves and be heard. The reason why you don't hear big reggae hits anymore or big jazz hits or big, you know, other hits outside of pop music is because no one can flourish because the record companies have gone down this, you know, blinkered vision of thinking, well, it has to be pop. It has to sound a certain way. And so, therefore, if it doesn't come from the X Factor or American Idol or anything like that, it isn't happening. And I feel that's sad 
Because when you go out, when Dennis and I go touring, you get all these people are saying, oh my God, it's great. We love reggae. We just can't hear enough of it and whatever. And that's simply because, you know, the record companies don't promote that. So going back to the point of, you know, is the computer a good thing and is, you know, and what's basically happening in the world right now. We are lucky because we can play. So for the rest of my life, Dennis and I can tour. But these bands today, the reason why, you know, they're here today, gone tomorrow, is because it's very difficult to tour when you can't play. What are people listening to? They might as well go and hear a DJ for like, you know, 20 bucks. Then they're going to pay 100 bucks to see you stand there with a computer. Come on. That's just not, it's just not entertaining. And that's Wait. the reality that we believe now. Do you know what I'm saying? So going back to... You got nominated for a Grammy before the Grammy at a reggae category. That's right. We did. Exactly. And, and, and case in point, what Mike was getting across. What was me. the category? We were best newcomers, Gene. So we were alongside um, Culture Club, who eventually won it. Um, Big Country, Eurythmics. That's who we were alongside. Best and newcomers. Best newcomers. That's what that they put category it. don't exist anymore. No, <laughs> but you see, back then it was if you got a Grammy nomination. What year? Well, what were you? Were you that was nineteen eighty three. If you got a Grammy nomination back then, that put an extra hundred thousand sales on your album, Easily. because you can now put Grammy nominated artists. Do you understand what I'm saying? That was physical sales. They don't have to do that anymore now. And I was actually exploring. I was talking to Michael all over the summer about why <laughs> I was reading your article today about there's only 6% of, of it rep rep representing reggae. And it was only last year that they had the reggae section in the live section. A lot of people don't realize how long that, that, that show actually goes on. You know, oh, it's a four hour. Years. Yeah. I mean, it's a four hour show. Yeah. But they only bring it down to this. And I remember oh, watching on TV. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like, it's it's almost like uh we, we better give them something because they're there. <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. When yeah. we when we when we were at that Grammys, Michael Jackson picked up his eight. Winton Marsalis picked up best jazz and best classical trumpeter or musician. So you can imagine the diversity there, but the representation of reggae music wasn't there. And we're the it, only reggae band at the award at the time. Yes. Yes. Because obviously Bob had passed away and the industry, the whole of the industry was looking for the next Bob Marley, you know, and and, and at one point our hometown had the, the most reggae artists selling the most records, UB40, Musical Youth, you know, Apache Indian, Steel Pulse, Steel Pulse won a Grammy. Yeah, Pato Banton. You know? So yeah. Pato Banton, the, the, yeah. you know, we, we're throwing out artists from Birmingham and shifting numbers so we look at it and we say wow but then we're not djs because we see the djs you know the sean pauls and shabbers of this world they're more like rappers to us aren't they that's what they are to us we toast but the artists the reggae artists like the beanie mans and the you know you know the the berries hammonds of this world got pushed to the back because the music wasn't fast enough for people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you look at it and you go, wow. But to me and Michael and our generation, that is music, that reggae music is that culture. 
the culture of reggae music. We recognize the difference between Jamaican reggae and British reggae, two different styles, same formula. And Musica U sits in a, and I've, I've, had to, I've had to reconcile this because Musica U sits in a funny spot in terms of we're appreciated in terms of we turn people onto reggae music. But then we also appeal to a broad spectrum of people, black, white, yellow, and green. We appeal to a broad spectrum. And I noticed that all through the summer and when we go and play, you know. It's that sound. It's very, it's very childlike. Almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's your voice. voice. It's, it's the voices. I mean, my voice is broken, so I don't have to worry about singing the songs. I don't have to worry about singing the songs at all, you know. Um, but I also recognize that there's there's guys, artists that were around when we were around. They're now in their 60s, going into their 70s. We're not even at our 60s yet. Exactly. So we're still the youngest bands out there. <laughs> still the youngest band out there. And as I said, I'm really grateful that I'm still doing it. I am so blessed because, you know, we can talk about, you know, people not getting paid and people not this, you know. I was watching a documentary the other day. I think I was telling Dennis about it. Little Richard didn't get paid for Tutti Fruity. Mm. Everybody knows that song. And he never got paid. Are you kidding me? So here I am sitting here in my nice house, my beautiful wife and three kids. And I'm thinking, it isn't that bad. Life isn't that bad. We've got something out of it. Now, did we get what we deserve? No. Were we ripped off? Yes. But... When you compare us to a lot of other artists, musical youth did perfectly fine. Dennis is the same way. He's got a nice house, beautiful wife, kids and everything. He's like granddad now. And the point is, at the end of the day, you know, to be able to come out on the other side with all your faculties, not high on drugs, not in a yeah. rehabilitation center, not all of that. We have to thank God. You can't, you know what I'm saying? It's so easy to say, oh my God, woe be me. Look what happened, you know, to all these other bands who weren't as talented and who weren't as this. And look how they have ended up and, you know, they've got so much money and here we are, you know. And I'm like, no, we've got to look and say, thank God we're here. We've got to thank God because 40 years later, if you had given me this and said, listen, I'm going to be interviewing you 40 years from now. Trust me. I'd have been like, yeah, whatever. If you had said Dennis and I would still be going together, I'd be like, no, because the reality is that most bands split up mm -hmm. because of whatever the reason is. But we are still going, still passing that duchy on the left-hand side, and people are still acknowledging us. Even kids that weren't born at the time come up yeah. to us and say, hey, I love that track. I found you on Stranger Things. Now, Stranger Things is two years old, but yet still they're talking about Pastor Duchy as if it just happened. And you see the enthusiasm in them and the, the joy they're getting from this song. And you're like, man, you're like... We didn't know. We didn't yeah. know. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. We got two minutes left. Um, yeah. I want to ask you, and I would love to see, like, you guys on tour. When was the last time you came to Jamaica to perform? Oh, gosh. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't been to Jamaica since 1985. Wow. That was the last time we was in Jamaica. Wow. Were you, were you guys have any connection at all to Jamaica? Michael's family's from Jamaica. My family from Jamaica. But again, you know, if you've got a promoter that wants to bring us out there, we'll definitely come. Tell them. <laughs> any promoter out there that wants to see music for youth live, just call us, man, and we'll be there. Yep. I think, I think what, what, my thing is the numbers, and I see it. I see what you're doing. I see the impact. 
I I look at what you have done. You're one of the most successful reggae groups of all time. Yeah. Um, because not a lot of reggae groups sold gold. Not a yeah. lot of it is a small amount. Yes, we know. Even the biggest dance all artists, Beanie Man just got his gold first gold record last week. Wow. Yeah. We and don't get that. In the game for all long, right? I recall a goal from the, the US, right? So so understand that you guys are so privileged and 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 you have used what I call cultural capital to, to make financial capital. That's commendable because yeah, you say you. you're here and you're still doing it now. So so my word is keep going, man. Keep going. Thank you, thank you so keep much. Until the wheels fall off and then your generation <laughs> and, and, that and thank you for Thank you for highlighting the fact that it was 200 yeah. million. I keep getting these. Congratulations. I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's, big, my side. it's big. It's big. It's, it's big. It's, That's it's what we do. We, we, reggae and dancehall is also underreported. So we yes. try to find the successes to, to highlight it. Good. Thank you, man. We'll keep in touch. I'll always text you, message you to get quotations. All right. No problem. Promoters to get us over there. All right. <laughs> <laughs>